Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the 1830s, William Miller began to make a series of predictions of when Christ would come again. The first was March 21st, 1843. When that came and went, he said it was March 21st, 1844. When that day passed, he said it would be April 18th. And after that, he decided, actually, the day was October 22nd, 1844. In 1970, Hal Lindsey wrote that the Lord would return no later than 1988. Edgar Wittensnott gave eight, the eight reasons why the Lord would return in 1988. And when that came and went, he wrote another book, sold more copies, about 89 reasons why the Lord would return in 1989. Harold Camping said that the Lord would come again September 6, 1994 then September 29th, then October 2nd. Years later, he said that he would come again May 21st, 2011, and after that, October 21st, 2011. And recently, a large group of Christian teachers and so-called prophets had been telling their followers on social media that the Lord would almost certainly come on September 25th, 2022. Between the years 49 and 51, St. Paul wrote, Now concerning the times and seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And in the last year of our Lord's earthly life, he told his disciples, Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. What a difference between these two groups. One gives a date and says, be ready, by this day at the latest. And when the day comes and goes, the world looks at them and scoffs. They foolishly try to give a day and an hour to something, to something that their Lord said no one can know. The other group says, be watchful, be sober, be vigilant, stay awake. The day is coming, coming like lightning on a clear sky, like a thief in the night, like a snare. So be ready, should the day come a day from now or a thousand years from now. The world, understandably, does not see a difference between these two groups. And maybe that was Satan's goal in twisting the hearts of those men I listed earlier into setting dates for the Lord's return and scorning his clear words and commands against doing so. The world is secure and happy in its sin. It flaunts it, making things that were once shameful even to whisper about into things of everyday conversation and things to be aired publicly and celebrated. They see one group after another fail in their prediction to the Lord's return and say, he will never come again. You are fools to wait, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, and that's all there is. This is not new. The early church, for the first few hundred years, was eagerly awaiting the return of the Lord. She longed for his advent, 
and was not quiet about the fact that the Lord Jesus would return to judge the living and the dead. This longing, this waiting, worked itself out in the proclaiming of his coming and in being ever busy to love and serve one another, both the fellow Christian and the stranger. Also that in stirring one another up in good works of love, Christians might ever be prepared for the return of the Lord. What <clears throat> did many possessions matter since the Lord would return and give us the kingdom? The poor in the earth require these things more right now. What did sickness and disease matter, even in plagues, when the Lord was coming to give eternal life? If you died helping to comfort others, you were going to be with the Lord anyway, who gives eternal healing to the body and the soul. Why fear persecution? when the Lord will return with justice and might, bringing vengeance upon his enemies. If they take your eyes, your hands, your head, the Lord who is life itself is coming and will return them to you. Of course, with this confidence and hope in the Lord's return, and with its continued delay, the world mocked, even back then. In fact, St. Peter writes of this happening even while he was still alive. In his second epistle, he writes, You should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord our Savior through your apostles, knowing that, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, Where is his promised coming? For ever since the fathers have fallen asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. The longer we must wait, the longer the delay the more and more tempting it is to want to listen to those who set dates, on the one hand, because it's exciting, or to those who will say it will never happen, on the other hand, because we may become resigned. But we must not give in to either one. We must, fall, we must not fall into the right ditch nor the left one, but stay on the narrow path, eagerly awaiting with vigilance. The bridegroom will come for his bride, the church. He will return to fulfill all that the prophets have spoken. He will come when all the least expect it. Any delay is not because he is taking too long or because he's running late, as our delays are often caused by, but his delay comes from his pure grace and mercy so that the time of grace may continue so that there is still time for more and more to come to repentant faith in him before the door is shut forever. In our gospel lesson today, our Lord Jesus tells a parable regarding the church in the time before his appearing. Then, that is, before the closing of the age, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the, <clears throat> but the wise took flasks of oil with them. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. The kingdom of God, the church of God on earth, during the times leading up to the last day, is compared to these ten virgins waiting for the bridegroom in the traditional Jewish wedding rite. This is not talking about the church and the world, but the church only. See how they all became drowsy and slept while the bridegroom delayed. 
Even the church is weighed down, is drowsy, is growing weary of waiting and watching for the Lord's return. But that does not mean that it is not happening. He is delayed, but he is still on his way. And so we must not give in to despair or disdain, but wait, stay vigilant, stay awake, and always be ready to meet him. We should not be surprised that our Lord's parable today is one of warning, one with the important call to watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. In his parable, like many others, he warns us that not merely associating with the church saves. Notice how the church in the last days is compared to the ten virgins together, both the wise and the foolish. Indeed, the kingdom of heaven is like a net which was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind, good and bad. But pastor, you may be saying, I thought the church was the body of Christ, the communion of the saints, the justified people of God. Ah, that is good, and it is correct. But there is a distinction between the church proper and what we see on earth. The Augsburg Confession rightly confesses, although the church properly is the congregation of saints and true believers, nevertheless, in this life, many hypocrites and evil persons are mingled therein. See how all the virgins are waiting together. They are all dressed in festive apparel. They are all with lamps ready for the celebration. From all outward appearances, all of them are associated with the church, yet not all are ready. Not all are prepared for the bridegroom's coming. When the call comes at midnight, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Not all are ready. While they appear to outside observers to be exactly the same, there was a big difference, which, made, which was only apparent at the end, at the time when the bridegroom appeared. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. The application is clear. It is not mere association which makes one ready for the return of Christ, but there is something more. What sets the two groups of virgins apart is the oil. The wise virgins have oil for their lamps. The foolish did not. When the bridegroom came, the wise virgins could not share their oil. It was only enough for themselves. What separates the true believer from the hypocrites other than a true and living faith? a faith which firmly trusts in Christ Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, which trusts that he has taken our sins upon himself, that he has died for us, risen for us, and that for his sake the Father forgives our sins, which trusts that when he comes again he will gather us to himself. It is a faith which must be one's own. No one can believe for another, only for oneself. The Lord's call is to be ready to ready ourselves, to trust in him for ourselves, and to watch for his coming. Behold, St. Paul writes, now is the favorable time, now is the day of salvation. 
Now is the time of grace. Now is the time when the dealers who deal in oil are open. Now is the time for acquiring and storing up in the heart the true oil of faith. St. Paul writes to the Thessalonians, and I say to you, you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of the darkness. So let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. Let us always have on the breastplate of faith and love. For true faith is a busy and active thing. It reflects the love which God has for us through love to our neighbor, desiring that they too may know the love of God and so have faith in him. And let us put on the helmet of the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. The call of the watchman, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him, is a call for those with faith in Christ. It is a call to rouse our hearts to joy so that we may know that what we now only know by faith, we will soon know by sight. It is a call to meet him for whom we have longed and waited for. It is a call to follow him to the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which has no end. So, brothers and sisters, let us be like the wise virgins of our parable, for we know that it is evening and the day is far spent, and that the Lord is at hand. So let us always be ready to meet him, always having with us the oil of true faith, repentant faith. Let us not shut out the Holy Spirit who works through the word and the sacraments, whom the Lord freely gives to those who believe in him as a living water flowing from a living stream. Rather, let us allow him to work in us according to his grace, through the means that he has promised to do so. That is, let us avail ourselves of opportunities to hear the word of God and to receive his gifts. As we wait, as we remain awake and ever watchful for his coming, let us meet the Lord in repentant faith in his supper, the foretaste of the final banquet, a feast of bread and wine wherein he comes to us with his true body and true blood, so that while we eat and drink his body and blood in faith, we receive the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. In this we are strengthened in our vigil and roused to watchfulness. Here we receive a token of his love for us, a meal to keep us on our way. Yes, it is the Lord's Supper of which our sermon hymn so beautifully speaks. Now come, thou blessed one, the Lord Jesus, God's own Son. Hail, Hosanna. We enter all the wedding hall to eat the supper at thy call. We hail him with hosannas in the sanctus as he comes from heaven to earth to strengthen us and prepare us for the final coming on the last day, when the trumpets sound and all the dead are raised, and those with faith in him will hear him say, Come, enter into the marriage feast of the Lamb. The door is open for you. Oh, what bliss and joy await us. So let us be watchful. Let us be ready. Let us have faith, so that by God's grace he may grant to us that we may be found wise on that day, through the merits and mediations of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.